Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today on the show, HBO, we hope you're listening because we are serving up a hot plate of must-watch TV pitches with a side of slig and a shot of Sappho. Welcome to Gom Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. I'm Abu. And I'm Leo. And Leo, yeah. we have a special <laughs> guest today. Yes, we do. And we are both beyond, beyond excited to be joined by an incredible guest, Danica19. Hello. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for reaching out and having me on the show. Of course. We are stoked that you're here, Danica. You are a huge Twitch streamer, content creator. You're making videos about tarot cards and Watchmen and WandaVision and all of this like incredible geeky stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, And most importantly for today, you have done Dune book club episodes for the first three Dune novels. You're a huge Dune fan, it turns out. Yeah, I really am. I really am. I love Dune so much. I, I'm i going to say I'm an Orthodox Herbertian. I've only read the Frank Herbert novels. I haven't gotten into the, oh, sure. to the uh, <laughs> Kevin Anderson, Brian mm-hmm. Herbert novels yet. You know, not to say that I never will, but I just want to put that out yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I've loved Dune since I saw the movie, uh, David Lynch's adaptation, mm. uh, growing up. And I just thought it was so cool and weird. And I knew it was just so over my head. And I was like, <laughs> I don't get it, mm-hmm. but like, I want to get Edit. And then later, like in high school, I was like, all right, I'm going to read the novel. And my uncle, to be fair, also is a huge Dune nerd. So like he like kept me like really interested in it. And I was just like would pick his brain in the car about it all the time because he had read all the books. And so I'd ask him all these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, later on uh, in high school, I was like, I'm going to I'm going to read it. And I tried to read it and it was still over my head. I still was like, yeah. this is I love it, but it's still <laughs> over my head. And then um, I did it again when I think I was in college or something it was like a little while later and then i and then it started to click and i was like i'm finally ready to understand <laughs> dune and i was just it's been such a wonderful uh journey reading his books and every time i'm like down or like in a rut or like i'm just like Ugh, i'll like bust out one of his books and read it and it's just like it's like magic it like gets me to just like stop focusing on my bullshit yeah. and start focusing on the atreides bullshit <laughs> it just makes me feel so much better <laughs> Um, about everything. And so, yeah, a few years ago, um, I was like, I don't know, I was in a rut. I was in a weird place and I was like in this desperate zone. Mm-hmm. And like one night I was like trying to get myself out of this pickle that I had found myself in. And, and one night I was sitting there in the middle of the night and like this little voice in my head, it was like Dune Club. 
And I was like, what? And I was like, Dune Club. And I was like, oh my God, I want to read Dune with people on the internet. This is going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> and so I started doing a, a Dune book club and uh, it's on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, right now it's it streams live like on Twitch when we're doing it uh, live. But the, the sessions are recorded and put onto YouTube. And the first one is like really well done. It's very highly produced. Mm. The, the next two, you know, they're not quite, the production level isn't quite as high. But... <laughs> Um, but anyways, it's, uh, it's been such a joy and I'm so excited for God Emperor Dune Club later this year, uh, tentatively in August, starting in August. So oh my gosh. yeah, I'm just going to keep this Dune train rolling, you know, taking people back to Arrakis. That's amazing. Well, I just found my excuse to revisit God Emperor of Dune later this year, tentatively <laughs> in August. <laughs> I'm so excited to read this fucking weird book with yeah. people. Like you have no idea. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's plenty weird before that point, but God Emperor is where it, it, it just... It just pops off. <laughs> yeah, totally. And most people fall off. Most people fall off and they're like, I don't want to read this weird shit. And I'm like, no, give me more, right. please. I want to share this with everyone. Yeah, honestly, some of the best parts of Dune for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I will say... You are among friends here. Leo and I are also squarely in the camp of we have read and reread Frank's own work mm -hmm. yeah. time and time again. Yeah. We've dabbled in Brian's work, but um, I don't think either of us has truly committed to consuming <laughs> all of the Brian work that's out there. Maybe someday, yes. maybe we'll work up to it. Maybe this right. podcast will be the excuse. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe like we'll all just get desperate enough one day, you know, and we'll just need that <laughs> yeah. fix and we'll try it. I, I know it's not going to be the same, but yeah. Right. For sure. Well, we wanted to geek out with Dune with you, and clearly you love geeking out about Dune, and you're a huge <laughs> fan. And so for today's episode, we wanted to actually shine a light on some of the supporting cast in the Dune universe, right? We all know about the Atreides. We know about Paul and Gurney and Hawat and Leto. Yeah. But these folks are supported by a massive cast of really, really interesting characters, mm -hmm. some of whom don't maybe get the limelight that they deserve absolutely <laughs> yeah and this is also a really important time to say if you couldn't tell by our enthusiasm to talk about all of the six books of dune yeah. today's episode will contain spoilers for well all of frank's books <laughs> I, yes i don't know if you know looking at the characters that we've chosen i don't know if we're really going to be like hitting those <laughs> main plot points one of the benefits of talking about side characters is we're not always really spoiling the main plot but <laughs> some of the joy as always in reading dune is discovering these weird side characters and falling in love with them yourself and so if you want to have that opportunity this is your spoiler warning for today's episode yes absolutely leo you're always so spot on with the housekeeping <laughs> i try i always forget that spoiler warning well one last note on housekeeping before we jump into the meat and potatoes of today's episode mm. If you want to reach out to us, as always, quick reminder, comjabarpodcast at gmail.com is the best way to get in touch with us. We love to hear from you, and we try to respond to all of those emails. We do our best. So we've each picked a character to dive into and talk about because I think that there are so many miniseries to be <laughs> sourced from the Dune universe. Yeah. And Honestly, I, I think today's episode, maybe we'll just email the finished file to HBO and collect those <laughs> those fat, fat HBO checks because we're going to do a lot of a lot of the heavy lifting. But I, yeah, I, I'm excited. We each chose one character. We're going to talk about them, uh, kind of share our thoughts, you know. Yeah, it, it, it'll be good. Uh, so let's get started. 
Abu, uh, if you don't mind starting, who did you choose? Of course. And look, I'm going to be treating this as a pitch okay. to an exec at HBO. Okay. So, you know, you, you guys can sort of pretend to be my HBO execs here. But I would love uh -huh. for there to be a series on Stilgar. He is a primary character in the first couple of Dune novels, and he plays and actually mm -hmm. plays a huge role in Paul's life. Yeah. And in the upcoming film, he's going to be played by Javier Bardem. So we even know the casting choice for the film. But I would love for there to be a miniseries, a, a TV show, maybe even a film on Stilgar and his life, because it's actually kind of amazing. He's an absolute badass. Yeah. So let me give you guys a very quick refresher for those of us who may not remember who Stilgar is. Yeah. Stilgar is the nabe of C.H. Tabur. And Nabe is the term for the leader of of that CH. He's a well-respected leader. He's easily the best fighter there. He's had to prove it time and time again. Sure. And he's got a cool, collected head on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. When he comes across Paul and Jessica in the desert in the first book, his instinct is not just to kill the off-worlders. <laughs> he, yep. he takes the step of recognizing, for example, Jessica's ability with the weirding way. And how that could help his tribe. So right. he's not just a good fighter. He's not just good looking. He's also <laughs> smart. He's <laughs> got it all. Yes. Man, what a package. Yeah, I know. The total package. <laughs> yeah, top to bottom. Or so they say. The right. legends of the Fremen say. The, the, there will come a man who is top to bottom a snack. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. That missionaria protectiva. Well, if, if Paul is the base of the pillar, then Stilgar is the, the top of the pillar. Yeah. Oh, well said. Yeah. Completely. And his relationship with Paul really does become almost like a mentor slash father figure relationship to Paul. After Paul loses his own father early in the first book, Stilgar kind of steps into that role for him. And as their relationship grows and Paul eventually becomes emperor, Stilgar becomes one of his closest friends and advisors and probably somebody that he confides in and will admit to killing billions of people. He might not admit that to everyone, but he does in Dune Messiah to Stilgar in private. Yeah. So that, that shows us how close that relationship between them becomes. So Stilgar, even though he's a side character, a secondary character, is extremely important to the books, to Paul, to the Atreides. Now, what would the HBO series focus on, you might ask? Well, I would love for the series to actually focus on his life before he ever comes across the Atreides, because mm. it, it's kind of a wild ride. I did a little bit of research, and let me try and, and give like the two-minute summary of <laughs> what maybe the character arc of Stilgar would look like in this series. Sure. So there's actually not a whole lot of detail about his birth or his childhood, but he really sort of blasts onto the scene when Pardo Daddy Kinds <laughs> recognizes his talent, his natural talent as a leader and his ability to get shit done, basically. Because at this point, <laughs> Kynes is working with the Fremen. They're all working towards this dream of a green Arrakis, an Arrakis with water on it. Right. And they're all working towards this big goal that Kynes has put forth. And Kynes recognizes that Stilgar can get work done and that he's a natural leader. He can really help him on this plan to changing the ecology of Dune. So he takes him back to C.H. Tabur with him, where Kynes is headquartered. And Stilgar, as a youngin here, 
continues to really gain the respect of not only Kynes, but his fellow Fremen at Sejtabur also. Now, at this point, Kynes has a son who we know from the Dune novels is Light, Liet. Liet? I always say Liet. We'll go with Liet. Okay. So <laughs> at this point, Liet Kynes is born, and the encyclopedia mentions this, but doesn't explain what this means. Liet Kynes and Stilgar become blood brothers. Mm. Don't know exactly what that would mean, but some some <laughs> sort of, I'm sure, gesture put forth by Papa Kynes to basically say, you two, I consider both of you my sons. And that sort of maybe clues us in on the relationship between Kynes and Stilgar. Uh, and then fast forward a bit, Papa Kynes dies. And at this point, the tribe starts to reconsider like, okay, Kynes is no longer leading us. We have all of these old knaves leading us who maybe weren't around during the Kynes revolution. Mm. It's time for some new leadership. Let's get some fresh blood in here. <laughs> and Stilgar uses this yeah. to challenge the leader of Sage Tabur. And by challenge, I mean like, combat <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's how right. things are done in the in the tribe yeah. it's not a vote it's knives <laughs> it's knives in a circle it's knives right <laughs> and of course stilgar an excellent fighter he at this point he has gone on many raids against the harkonnens who are in charge of arrakis at this time so he's an excellent fighter he easily overcomes forad who is the old aging leader of ch Tabur, and becomes the new name hmm. Now, at this moment, Liet comes back to Sage Tabur, and there's this really tense moment where people are like, oh, no, is Liet Kynes going to try to challenge Stilgar now and become the leader? And instead, what happens is he walks up to Stilgar, congratulates him, and the two set out together to create a brighter future for Sage Tabur and to achieve this dream of terraforming and changing Arrakis forever. Aww. Damn. What do you guys think of that journey? Would that make a good TV show or what? <laughs> yes, I would love to watch his rise to power. <laughs> I just I just need to see that knife fight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, color me like a, a basic dude, but like give me a knife fight in the in the TV show and I'm 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 interested. I'm interested. Yeah. For sure. And I mean, don't they usually do that pretty stripped down too? I oh mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean that'll work that works really well for me. <laughs> You got to. I mean, just right. to see the movements of muscles, we'll say. It's academic, yeah. purely academic. And look, I don't know if you guys have Googled Javier Bardem Young lately, yeah. but I did yeah. when I was working on the notes <laughs> and the script for this episode today. Apu, you do that every morning. <laughs> Young Javier Bardem. Part of your morning affirmation. <laughs> for the record, real good looking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Real good looking guy when he was younger. I mean, he's, also, he's good looking now, too. Always has been. Right. But... Definitely easy on the eyes, young Javier Bardem. So if he's stripping down <laughs> and he's knife fighting somebody to be the new leader of Siege to Burr, I'm here for it. Viewership through the roof. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys think of that relationship with Liet Kynes? Because uh, I feel like that could almost be a central core character dynamic in the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a will they or won't they mm -hmm. type of sitch. You know, where it's like, oh, are they going to be enemies? Are they going to be friends? You know, there's probably some jealousy mm. between them, you know, because like Liet's like, my dad like likes you more than me. You know, I would definitely play up that angle. Right. I could easily imagine some sibling rivalry happening there. I think it would be an interesting opportunity to explore because Liet's mother is a Fremen and we don't hear much about her, but 
it would be an interesting opportunity to see, okay, in the time of Stilgar's rise, how do the Fremen deal with off-worlders and then the children of Fremen and off-worlders? Like, could, is there a cap on how close, you know, Stilgar can get to Pardo Kynes because Pardo Kynes will always forever be someone who wasn't born on Arrakis compared to, well, Liet is a Fremen born into a Siege. He's, he's a Fremen. So I'd be interested to see that dynamic, especially yeah. because it would shine more light on later on when you have, you know, I always think of Leto too reflecting on his father Paul not being a Fremen. These moments of that's what Paul would have done, but again, Paul is not a Fremen. Mm-hmm. And Paul doesn't even have Fremen blood. At all. <laughs> Liet does through his mother, right? but through his father he doesn't, so that would maybe be an angle for Liet's character in this potential TV show, please HBO, that <laughs> could be really played up. This idea that he maybe needs to find his place in the tribe or needs to find where he fits in all of this because he is a child of two worlds. He's not Fremen. He was raised Fremen. Mm-hmm. His dad is an off-worlder. His mom is from the culture. And what does that mean for him or his leadership or how much the other Fremen children accept him? Totally. I think that would be a really interesting angle to play up on top of this rivalry blood brother situation with our boy Stilgar. Yeah, yeah. And actually, Leo, you you mentioned it. This sort of TV show would be an opportunity to really talk about Fremen culture. Right. Because frankly, in the novels and in the upcoming film, Mm -hmm. we're not going to get a lot of like, this is the day-to-day life of the Fremen, or this is how the CHs work, or this is how the leaderships work, or these are the traditions of the tribe. Mm -hmm. We aren't super, super exposed to that world, and this would potentially be a way to explore that part of the lore as well. Also, I'd love to see um, Jamis. Yeah. Jamis, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I would love to see like him, like hanging out with Stilgar and like especially his wife Hera who becomes you know like a part of the Atreides household Mm -hmm. um yeah so it'd be really cool to see more about them as well right right make these subtle connections to the film these subtle connections to what we know is coming Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and Leo had actually mentioned to me like how cool would it be if this tv show ended on the moment Stilgar meets Leto for the first time Oh, you know, almost oh, like yeah. in Rogue One, where we get that mm-hmm. final scene that just connects mm-hmm. to episode four. And this TV show could directly tie in yeah. to the movie and the moment he meets yeah. Oscar Isaac, which I'm so envious of. <laughs> Who is it? Who is it? <laughs> so that's sort of my basic pitch for more love for Stilgar, more exploration of Fremen culture and Fremen history, mm. and this sort of come up for Stilgar, his journey as a young, hungry fighter, ambitious, smart, eventually rising to literally be Paul's hand of the king, basically, if I can make a Game of Thrones reference. Like, he rises to be the <laughs> right. right-hand man yeah. in the empire of the emperor, and that is something a Fremen is never done so Mm -hmm. basically i'm trying to say stilgar had an epic come up and no one's talking about it and we gotta talk (laughs) about it (laughs) absolutely absolutely okay so that's my pitch let's move on because i'm really excited for this next one danica you had selected a character that you would love to see get some love yes uh i have selected count hazamir 
Fenring. Yes. Oh, yes. He is a character that is featured in the first book. Uh, he's also uh, makes appearances in a lot of the, the Brian, uh, and Kevin Anderson books. Mm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he is the, Count Fenring is the ultimate bisexual assassin who makes being a cuck look cool. He's killer. <laughs> yes. He's a killer with the manners wait. of a rabbit. Wait. <laughs> uh, I'm sold. Here's your blank check. <laughs> make it happen. God. I mean, for real. Like, for real. He's the killer with the manners of a rabbit, the most dangerous kind. This man, he is a cousin and grew up as a childhood friend of Emperor Shaddam IV before he was emperor, when they were just like kids hanging out. So he grew up in the imperial court. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was tested with the box by the Bene Gesserit and passed. So he's officially human. Uh, they thought that he might be a Kwisatz Haderach. He had all some of the, a lot of the qualities that they were looking for, mm-hmm. uh, but they had some concerns. And uh, so while he's growing, they keep their eye on him. While he's growing up, he definitely foils an assassination attempt on Shaddam before he ascends to the throne and also possibly, probably, totally assassinated Shadam's older brother and then his dad, Elru Nine, to secure the throne for his boy. Casual. So, yeah, yeah well, bro. I mean, it's insane. And then he is, um, later, he is married to a Bene Gesserit woman, Lady Margot. And then they know for certain that he cannot be their Kwisatz Haderach because he has an inability to have children. He is called a genetic eunuch. And so the Bene Gesserit, they need you to breed, and he can't do that. And so instead, um, <laughs> Lady Margot's whole mission changes because they're like, oh, you know, you're going to breed with this guy. Well, he can't breed. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're hanging out. She trains him the Bene Gesserit ways. He's super into it. Uh, <laughs> and then, but then at some point she has to tell him, you know, since we can't have kids, the Bene Gesserit, like they really want me to go on these brood mare missions and I have to go uh, seduce seed from other dudes and then pass them off as our kids. And he's like, okay. You know, like, I mean, and not only is he like, okay, he like helps her. Yeah. Uh, we see it in Dune when they're on Gidi Prime where he's playing interference with the Baron while Margot goes to seduce Fade in order to preserve the Kwisatz Haderach bloodline since Jessica, you know, refused <laughs> to have a daughter for their program and had Paul instead. Like that girl, that daughter was supposed to be with Fade, right? right. Well, mm-hmm. that's not a thing. So they're like, well, we got to get these Fade genes. And he's probably going to die young because he's crazy as shit. So, <laughs> so you know, that, and she does. And she, and she friggin' does. It's crazy. Uh, they totally pull it off. Um, also, he could have killed Paul. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the book, <laughs> the Emperor is like, hey, uh, after Paul kills Fade, uh, oh my gosh, you know, surprise, Fade is murdered. Uh, so, so he's like, Hey, I need, I need you to take care of Paul. And this is the first time that he refuses an order from his emperor. Mm-hmm. He is like, I can't do it. I'm sorry, bro. I just can't do it. Yeah. Uh, because he recognizes so much of himself in Paul and Paul likewise, uh, sees him, yeah. you know, he sees him and how his genetic flaw just twisted his entire life. And through this 
understanding that no one else in the Imperium has ever has ever seen or understood or or had sympathy for in any way. Because of this, he just he can't go against Paul. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like an anti. Paul. He's like an anti-Quizat Satirac. Mm. Instead of his hyper-awareness going outwards into time and space like Paul does, his power is to go inwards. Like Fenring works behind the scenes as an expert spy and hitman. Uh, he's like the power behind the throne, and he is invisible to prescience. Yeah. So Paul cannot see him in his prescient visions. Um, while Paul's destiny is quite the os- opposite, Paul's destiny is to draw, you know, the eyes of the entire Imperium upon him as emperor, you know. So it's like you got Fenring kind of hiding behind the scenes. Paul has to be like front and center. Um, So uh, if, you know, if this was going to be made into a show, I would just I would just love to see his whole life, you know, starting with him growing up in court, being tested by the box, securing Shottam's throne, becoming the spice minister. Now here's where I did some research into the, into the, uh, the Brian Herbert books. He becomes a spice minister and they try to make like a synthetic melange, you know, but it's like a total disaster. Like it does not work out well for them. And but he gracefully gets out of that clusterfuck, you know, like always, (laughs) Um, I'd love to see his marriage to Lady Margot and their whole deal and how she came to him like, hey, I'm going to have sex with other men and carry their child and like how that whole conversation went. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was reading in the Dune Encyclopedia that she possibly was poisoning him or maybe she like could have, I don't I mean, there may have been some, like it may not have been something that was like so like, oh, excited at the beginning. I don't know. But I would like to see, you know, how that played out. Um, and I love their cute humming language that they have. They, yeah. like, he does this kind of Jeff Goldblumy, like, hmm, huh, hmm. <laughs> and like, it's really, you know, it's, it's annoying to people, but like, really, it's like some secret language, which is like so cool. Um, and also, you know, he spent time on Arrakis while, uh, the Harkonnens were there, and he was kind of spying on them for Shotham to make sure that, like, they were doing what the fuck they needed to be doing. But he was also the governor of Arrakis during the changeover to the Atreides. And mm-hmm. I'd love to see how he orchestrates their fall behind the scenes. And reportedly, he bribed people with a billion solaris to right. keep the emperor's name out of the coup, out of the fall of House Atreides. So seeing him going around bribing everyone, like, figuring out how to keep the emperor out of all this, that would be really interesting. Obviously, his trip to Gidi Prime to fuck with the Baron and help Lady Margot steal Fate's <laughs> Seed would be cool. I'd love to see his perspective on the fall of House Carino. Mm-hmm. And also, this is from the Brian Herbert books, I would love to see him being in Paul's court in between the events of Dune and uh, Dune Messiah. Uh, he has uh, his daughter, like Fade's progeny with Lady Margot. Uh, her name is Marie. Huh. And she hangs out with Alia, baby Alia. Like, so it's like, whoa. Like, I mean, guess, can you imagine Alia playing with anybody, you know? But she's got to have somebody to hang out with. So I'd, <laughs> I'd love to see Marie and Alia, like, hanging out, like, and what that whole deal is. Mm. And then, obviously, their failed assassination attempt where they try to, like, kill <laughs> Paul. Uh, and Paul is so surprised, I guess, that Marie is, is Fade's daughter that, you know, it gives, uh, it gives Fenring an in and he stabs the fuck out of Paul. Oh my you know, he God. doesn't kill him, but oh, he wow. stabs him. He gets him pretty hard. <laughs> so, I mean, like, 
all of that. I would love to see all of that. And then also, um, <laughs> after that, he has to go back to uh, Seleucus Secundus. He's exiled there with Shadam, and they hate each other at that point. Yeah. And then him hanging out with his relation, Faradin Carino, <laughs> whose father was a Fenring. I'm not sure how Faradin's father was related to Hazemir exactly. Uh, it's a little vague, but right. they are related. So I'd love to see him kind of hanging out with Faradin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, just all, all that. Just give me all that. Yeah, just a small <laughs> ask, you know. Just a small ask. It's just a small <laughs> ask. It's not it's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love this guy. You're, you're totally spot on that Count Fenring's life is ripe for storytelling. Yeah. Imagine the court intrigue arc early in his career when he's sort of climbing his way up the court and plotting these assassinations oh and helping Shaddam get the throne. <gasps> he like, kills his dad. That's crazy. With Shaw Murky. He like poisons him. <laughs> it's like so nuts. And he gets away with it. Like he gets away with all of it. Like it's insane. Yeah. And his relationship with Margot. I also find really, really interesting because there's not a lot of detail, right? We only get one tiny scene in the books where both of them are present. Mm -hmm. And then in the encyclopedia, it explains this Mm -hmm. this whole, I guess, agreement they had (laughs) where he has agreed that she needs to do her Benny Gesserit duty Mm -hmm. and go about her breeding Mm -hmm. work. But um, it's really interesting that he's kind of bought into it too. And I Mm -hmm. like to imagine that um, at least maybe at the start, he was kind of into it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was right. just kind of like, Dude, maybe, I mean, maybe they're just like, you know, Polly, maybe they're weird. They have their own agreements. Yeah. I mean, it said in the Brian novels that he's bisexual. So it's like, I don't know. Maybe they have like kinky threesomes. I just, I need to know. I want to know more about it. <laughs> like, I'm interested. Right. There's so much we can mine here. If we're getting stripped down young Javier Bardem, in my series, mm-hmm. I don't see why we can't get the kinky threesomes in your series. I know. We need it. I mean, we need it. Like, all of it. Please. Because, you know, just like in the Game of Thrones where you had, um, oh, what's his face? Illyria Sand and um, um, I think Oberon. Oberon. Yeah. Like, you know, Oberon Martell uh, in Game of Thrones and how, like, you know, him and his lady, they go to the brothels, you know, they share women, they share men. Like, I just, oh, my God, I love it. Yeah. I want to see that in Dune. Are you also asking HBO to cast Pedro Pascal in your series? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, <laughs> I mean, Pedro, Pedro Pascal would work, but but here's here's my fan casting. Sure. Uh, I'm thinking Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. Brody. Because he's supposed to look like a weasel a little bit. You know, like he's supposed to have big, big eyes. And Adrian Brody has light eyes, but you know, whatever. He's supposed to have big brown eyes and kind of be weaselly and kind of small. You know, he's not like a big guy. And I just feel like Adrian Brody with Jeff Goldblum giving him vocal lessons (laughs) would be perfect. (laughs) Right. Yeah, long-haired. I just Googled some images. Long-haired Adrian Brody is basically exactly how I picture Fenring. Right? He also is kind of given off like big cuck energy. You know? He's... <laughs> <laughs> That's a really great casting choice. Right? Right? Leo, what are your thoughts on Fenring? Yeah. Where, where in his life would you love for this show to go? I was really picturing, okay, so the first episode is him as a kid leading up to the finale of the episode is the Gamjabar test and he passes, but they tell him he's not gonna, like not, not the one. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was thinking about how how parallel he is to Paul, exactly to your point, Danica, how parallel he is to Paul, except for that he's not the one, right? Yeah. But then how he can then 
turn that and how he as a character can turn that and go, well, I'm going to be the most effective person possible yeah. and how he succeeds by killing an emperor by like <laughs> putting someone <laughs> on the throne. he just goes nuts <laughs> and again margo approaches him and goes i need to mate with other people and he's like hell yeah tell me when and where i'll help you get like, it done yeah i'll help you do you need me to help help seduce him like what do you need like <laughs> and, wh- how do we do this <laughs> and honestly like fenring was one of the first characters that made me think of this episode because i remember the first time he meets baron and Baron's like, oh shit, I'm fucking scared of this weaselly, stuttery guy. There's something (laughs) super dangerous about this guy. And I love those characters, you know, the ones who aren't Mm -hmm. explicitly dangerous. They're, they're implicitly dangerous. It's, it's interesting. And I love that he has the stutter and the mumbling and the, and the the Jeff Goldblum mannerisms until they're in the concealing Mm -hmm. cone. Mm -hmm. And then he just drops it and he's like, your Mm -hmm. shit is fucked, Baron. (laughs) And Baron's like, oh no. We're done fucking around, Baron. Oh, God. Oh. So Vlad, can I call you Vlad? Vladdy. The, the emperor, my friend, the emperor, you know, Shaddam, he's a little concerned. Like, oh, no. Oh, so good. Yeah. Leo, I love that you kind of even drew this character moment for him where he is maybe told he's the one. He even passes the damn test. Right. And then can't be the one and maybe like lives the rest of his life compensating right mm-hmm. for not being the one mm-hmm. what a great mm-hmm. setup for that character right. damn i would binge the fuck out of this series <laughs> uh. right and just all because he just you know his sperm count you know or whatever it's just like not there you know it's like so crazy yeah damn so he goes off killing people left and right in court. <laughs> but i mean that's the thing if you can't bring life you know you bring death that dichotomy wow, wow. that danica holy shit <laughs> you like that you like you like that yeah yeah bring it us to a whole new level it's thursday uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right we're gonna keep this conversation going but first a quick break when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, on that note, let's move on, Leo, because you have yet to share your character, and this is a deep, deep cut, so buckle the fuck up, folks. Oh, yeah. Buckle up also, because for this character, you're going to be in a car. (laughs) (laughs) I chose probably the dumbest character, but one who I love, and in layman's terms, this character is just beyond belief and this is everything about this character that's beyond belief is from frank's book like i didn't have to dig very far to really paint this picture yeah i'm talking about claire b hell yeah (laughs) the robo chauffeur butler of the (laughs) secret planet wallach the benny jesuit secret planet that like no one in the goddamn universe knows where it is except for this driver who's like drives reverend mothers to and from conversations about how to guide the human race intense intense this is his his job's driving them from like one (laughs) house to another and they love him they're like this guy's great he's wonderful and although he's mentioned only a couple of times 
He is, to be clear, one of the very few males confirmed to be on Chapter House. You know, I found myself wondering Mm -hmm. on that planet. I'm like, are there only ladies on this planet? And as far as I can tell, it's a bunch of ladies and it's Clareby. So here you go. (laughs) Maybe maybe a few studs in the breeding stables, you know, just in one building. Yeah, they're all confined. He's the one that drives around. So he drives them around. He's trusted with like deep secrets like they have open conversations around him which is wild to me uh and then he is just very very casually maimed in a thropter accident which happens in like he goes from being you know top of his game clarby's doing great having a good day to two paragraphs later he's on death's door because of a ornithropter accident and odrade odrade uh how do we say that? I say Odrade. Odrade? But I don't know. I'm always wrong. The audiobook also says Odrade. Oh, does it? Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, uh-huh. there you go. Points to Danica. <laughs> the first time ever I pronounced something in Doom correctly. Wow. <laughs> Odrade is, is faced with this decision. We can save his life by adding mechanical parts to him. You know, adding prosthetics, adding life support systems to him. Uh-huh. But... It will take him dangerously close to this line of like, what does it mean to be a cyborg? And what does it mean to be human? And she's like, fuck it. I like this driver. (laughs) Make him a robot. (laughs) Make him a cyborg. And again, this happens in like the last two paragraphs in a chapter. She actually says, and I quote, cyborg him. (laughs) Which like, amazing. That is the last sentence if we can call it a sentence, that is the last sentence of an episode, to be very clear. Like, Cyborg Him, oh, yeah. credits, directed yes. by Dick Wolf or whatever, you know, like... Credits, <laughs> produced by Leo Wiggins. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I can't wait to produce this. This is going to be great. Now, I admit that this is a little bit of a meme, you know, but <laughs> in the same way that I constantly have an interest in learning more about day-to-day Fremen life or day-to-day life for the average citizen on Kaitan or yeah. what is a... a I don't know, a factory worker on Giddy Prime. What does their life look like? I'm curious. I, I want to see these like fabric, these these details of life come out. So a transport specialist in the Dune universe has to have an interesting life. And, you know, where was he born? Was he born on a planet we know or was he born from some other distant obscure one did he dream of becoming an excellent driver for semi-immortal witches on the most secretive planet in the universe i don't know i don't know how do you get get that job you know like it's a really good question where did he send his distrans resume like how did he do this and then he sits at this like massive point for odrade this real ethical question and she mentions this is really pushing humanity in a direction which is fascinating that this driver is at the heart of all of this and then in one of the most incredible sequences he flies who was it it was uh gosh on the ship that he flies to the battle and at the end yeah I can't remember. But. I thought it was Shiana and Little Baby General Man, oh. whose name I forget. Tag. 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 Little Baby General Man. <laughs> <laughs> General Man. He's riding her shoulders, okay? It's weird. 
It's, a, it's his new official title. <laughs> this little baby general man. Uh, yeah, Teg. I think you're right. Teg and, and Shiona. Wait, wait, wait. Here it is. Oh. He died after taking Darwio Drade, oh. Dortuja, Suipol, and Tamalane <laughs> to Junction to meet the Spider Queen. There it is. As he destroyed his vehicle before it could be taken by the Honored Montre. Gotcha. So it was Odrade. Thank you for looking that up. Yeah. I remember Odrade, someone being like, astounded that he was a robot which yeah <laughs> yes that's astounding well i mean they're the bg are just so anti-robot i mean i mean everybody in the universe is but them yeah. especially so for for them to be like yeah cyborg him that's huge <laughs> that's huge it's massive and then so he lands the ship they all get off and then to prevent the honored matres from like capturing him and i don't know torturing him he he blows himself up and he dies. And <laughs> at first I was like, oh, that sucks. But then it mentions that he does this in exchange for being brought back as a Goa. Jesus. Which I want to make this very clear. Yes. Let's list the people who have been brought back as Golas that we know about other than like the Tleilaxu Masters. It's like right. Duncan motherfucking Idaho. Okay. <laughs> and then it's Duncan forever. Right. It's like, it's, it's like Duncan uh, and then Duncan and then Duncan. Yeah. Well, in the Brian books, too, there's like, I mean, I guess they bring everybody back. They bring, like, Paul back. They bring, like, yeah, Tag yeah. back. They bring <laughs> yeah, Lito the yeah. second. I don't know. I think they bring, like, everybody back because they just, you know, I don't know. In, in Hunters. But that's a good point. Tag was also a Gola. You know, Tag was a Tag was a Gola. Right. But again, literal general. <laughs> right. Supreme Bashar. Yeah. For the Benny Jesuit, right? Like, we're not talking, like. The bus driver that took your kids to school. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, no. He, he is, no. as far as I'm concerned, Clareby is like definitely clearly a Quisatz Hatterack of some variety. <laughs> and it would be so funny. Maybe like, okay, pivoting a little bit, maybe I want a TV series done by like Justin Roiland and uh, oh, uh, yeah. who's uh, like the Adventure Time the Adventure Time mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. That would be so um, good. Like if they did a Claire B series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in for that. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I got to know. Like an animated Claire B series, like by animated by like Titmouse Studios and stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Kind of like, a, a, you know, Midnight Gospel yeah. or like, you know, one of those like super fucking weird, like yeah. maybe he's just high on Samuta all the time. They don't mention <laughs> that, but it makes it better. <laughs> you know? Well, what? arc are you thinking though for the show like is claire b getting into hijinks with the benny jesuit or is he like literally just trying to do his job and drive the van and ends up doing hijinks like against his will he's just trying to drive the van now abu i know you ask that with good intentions but you've immediately poked a hole in my plan (laughs) because there isn't necessarily a good single arc for this it would have to be sort of an episodic thing where you kind of jump in and what's the crisis today oh my god the apple orchards need need pesticides let's get this one mother you know reverend mother over there uh but i think again it would probably have to be something a little bit wackier and a little bit looser and a little bit you know maybe like a limited two episode three episode thing Mm -hmm. to just highlight the absurdity of some of these elements yeah I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I would feel like I hadn't done my duty as an absurd <laughs> Dune fan <laughs> to highlight the incredible glory that is Clareby. <laughs> this was an excellent pick. Thank you, Danica. And really, joking aside, he kind of represents a lot in the story, especially in Chapter House. Yeah. So much of that novel is about 
the Bene Gesserit evolving and letting go of their old traditions and the things holding them back and embracing maybe the unknown or the new. Mm -hmm. And the fact you kind of touched on this earlier, the fact that Odrade is like cyborg him, motherfucker. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. that is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that pushes against the great convention, this idea in the Dune universe that you don't replicate the human mind or that you don't trust mm -hmm. artificial intelligence or technology because of the Butlerian Jihad, there's a lot of distrust around that idea, around technology. Right. And the fact that Odrade is pushing the Bene Gesserit forward, as she does throughout that whole novel, he kind of embodies that. Claire B is an embodiment of the Bene Gesserit pushing the barriers of what is acceptable or what is right. Mm -hmm. Claire B is just that first step. They can cyborg him. They're allowed to. Right. They can bring him back as a Gola. <laughs> like, <laughs> not that they haven't done that time and time and be again before, but it's just really interesting to think what Clary represents in that story, too. If I can get a little overly serious here, sorry to bring the mood down. No, I, I really <laughs> appreciate your attempt to salvage my meme. Uh, but I'll actually say, as you were talking, you're right. In a lot of ways, he represents humanity on a planet covered in semi-immortal witches who are steering this vessel of humanity forward he's just a guy <laughs> he's just a man a cyborg he's just a <laughs> yes <laughs> there's the trailer <laughs> uh he he's just a human and i think you could actually make a pretty good show where it's he is the canary in the coal mine for the Bene Gesserit witches, you know, for the Bene Gesserit Reverend Mothers. Mm -hmm. He's the human who they're looking at. And as they're driving, maybe they're reminding themselves this is what it means to be human. As much as they all have, you know, millions of internal lives. Yeah. To see this guy who just drives them from place to place, you could actually probably make some pretty compelling scenes of, you know, Odrade says, hey, take me for a drive. Yeah. I need to talk to you about something. Yeah. <laughs> I've got this plan. Well, what do you think of this? And he's like, whoa, that sounds <laughs> scary <laughs> or whatever. Right. So you're right. I mean, he does represent a lot more than I even gave him credit for. It's still a little hard to like string together a cohesive beginning, middle, end, but there's a lot that could be done. Um, I love your idea to have kind of like more of a goofy animated show where they're just like hanging out on Wallach and like. They're, they're, I, I would love to see what's going on with the apple orchards and like there's something like weird going on he's gonna go deal with it or whatever like i would love to see him like and like different like benny jesuits like flirt with him and make him feel uncomfortable and then like all the drama oh. going on, on the planet you know that he's like and like and like i'm sure all the women on that planet are you know so above him that they just don't even they think of him as like nobody you know so they right. don't care you know they just like they, they like whatever we'll just put whatever out in front of him and he would just be like such a keeper of secrets he would just know so much <laughs> It would be fantastic. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, Leo, who do you see playing Claire B, the cyborg man? <laughs> well, you know, okay. So my first thought with Claire B in who would play him, I pictured um, Liam Cunningham, who is Davis Seaworth, or the Onion Knight mm -hmm. in Game of Thrones. Uh I, you know, I really liked the sort of quiet subservience and competence. Like, I never doubted mm -hmm. that Davos could get it mm -hmm. done. And I feel like that's the kind of air that Clareby would have at the behind the wheel of the bus or whatever. They're like, <laughs> oh, this guy's got it. Um, now, that being said, he is described as being like having darker skin. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that means 
that he's uh, would best be portrayed by like a black actor. So I was thinking about like what would a good actor be. And um, I recently watched, I don't know, Danica, if you've seen, uh, did you watch uh, Lovecraft Country? I, I skipped that one, missed it. Oh, gosh. Okay. It's okay. It's fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Abu, did you watch it? No. All by myself. <laughs> okay. I don't like scary things. You know this. Okay. That's fair. It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> and honestly, Courtney Vance. Uh, Courtney Vance is an actor. He's been in a lot. I, I learned of him in Lovecraft Country. He plays George. And he steals the show. He's so good. Mm. And again, radiates this sort of gentle knowledge, uh, skill, just trustworthiness. Like, whatever he's doing, I trust that he could get it done. Mm -hmm. And also, Courtney Vance right now is like top of his game. He's going he's gonna to deliver on any role you give him. Yeah. So I think Claire B's a good pick for Courtney Vance or vice versa. Yeah, yeah I, I just Googled yeah, him. I'm looking at him on. Yeah, same, same. He looks great. I think he'd be a great casting. I love that you imagine like an older man for this, you know? Yeah. The, and like this guy who's just like seen it all, doesn't give a fuck, you know? <laughs> it's just. Oh, he, yeah, not really phased by these goddesses walking around him like. He's just here to drive the bus, man. Right, right. You could go the other direction because, of course, that's what I thought. But now that you mentioned that, I'm like, okay, so what about like Keanu Reeves? <laughs> like, just, I'm going to drive this bus. It's got to stay. <laughs> Everybody's like, I like this pilot. He's, he's intense. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a whole other vibe, you know? The Keanu vibe's a whole other, a whole other vibe. For sure. Yeah, I really like the Courtney Vance choice, Leo. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at, I'm also Googling him now and. He's he's given off like big cyborg energy to me. This is <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So with that in mind, now that we've <laughs> discussed all of our various <laughs> casting choices, <laughs> let's wrap up the conversation in this way. We've each made kind of a compelling case for our characters. Uh, you two more than me, definitely. But okay. <laughs> uh, now that we've explored all three characters, if there was one series, if we all had to kind of greenlight one series. Who do we think deserves it the most of the three that we brought to the table? That's tough because my answer is all of them. <laughs> That's the true answer deep down in my heart. Yeah. But I will say as soon as I heard the words deadly bisexual assassin <laughs> with big cuck energy, <laughs> I was immediately sold on that show. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I'm going to have to go with and, you know, like, of course... Fenring is such an interesting character with so much depth and so many potential storylines there. But I think what really, really sold me on it was your presentation, Danica. Oh, thank, yeah. you. thank you for coming into the HBO offices today. <laughs> oh, we will send you, you the contract. Oh, it's finally happening. Somebody cares about my opinion on Dune who's higher up. Yes. Oh. Yeah. But in all seriousness, I think a Fenring show would be so incredible. Just the fact that there's already this built-in motivation that Leo touched on where he is maybe the chosen one, actually not, and has to live up to this giant sort of mm -hmm. expectation and fill these shoes that he failed to fill. Mm -hmm. That, I think, leads to such an interesting character, a wild story, bunch of court intrigue, a lot of sexual energy throughout that show a lot of death a lot of just incredible storylines uh, that could take that could take place and shenanigans mm -hmm. it would be mm -hmm. such a wild ride of a show to watch so if i had to pick one i'd pick fenring and i would pick danica's show to get greenlit oh thank you what about you guys yeah what about you danica uh for me um 
I mean, I picked Fenring, so I picked my own show. <laughs> but, <laughs> there you go. But, um, yeah. but, but Abu, I really, uh, I love the idea of a Stilgar show. I would absolutely be 100% down to watch that. And I think that the idea to have it end where he meets Leto for the first time is just, it gives me chills. It's so sick. Like, it's, yeah. oh my God, I just, I would love it. And like you guys too, it's like, I would love to just see more of the Fremen, especially uh, before Paul, you know, like before Paul came in and kind of fucked everything up, uh, I, w- I would love to just see, get more of some pure Fremen fun uh, on Arrakis. Um, but also, man, Leo, I mean, the, I'm really sold on this like bizarre Clarby midnight gospel fucking situation animated show. Like I'm like a hundred percent here for that as well. Uh, that's it's, oh, incredible work. Yes. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm more bothered that I hadn't thought of it before we started recording than anything, but thank you. I will also say Danica's idea for Fenring is the one that I'll go with, but tip of the hat, Abu, really, for you mentioned it in the notes, and I don't know if you said it, but we see Fremen culture decline in the era of Leto II's rule, and I felt that as a reader in one way, but if we really had a chance to sit with Stilgar in his life and get to know the people in his life and get to know the community, it would bring so much more emotional depth to the decline of the Fremen, which, again, we're kind of reading from the perspective of main characters who are not necessarily Fremen themselves. So I think that that really is powerful, and I think that's really worth, again, ultimately, at the end of the day, at least two of these shows should be greenlit. But yes, Fenring is amazing. It is interesting to me that Fenring goes through the human test and also passes, but is not the chosen one. And I think that that gives a lot of depth to things that we see Paul go through Mm -hmm. that don't currently exist in the main pages of Dune. So I think, honestly, beyond just being an opportunity to see some very strange threesomes, some like cool assassination (laughs) attempts, some like court espionage, uh, and some... (laughs) Some Jeff Goldblum mumbling language. Yeah. I think Fenring's Fenring's the pick. Right. Bridgerton in space. (laughs) Yeah. Come at us, HBO. Come at us. We're ready. We're so ready. (laughs) Sci-fi Bridgerton, baby. (laughs) Well, to wrap up today, Danica, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute treat. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've brought your knowledge and passion to this show. And uh, (laughs) I I do want to give you the space here at the end of the show to tell our listeners all about you. Oh. And the stuff that you're doing. So go for it. Well, thank you. Um, Yes. So for those of you who uh, are unaware, uh, you can find my work on YouTube on the Comic Book Girl 19 channel. Uh, I was known as Comic Book Girl 19 for many years. I've recently kind of rebranded as Danica 19, which is like XIX. It's whole Mm -hmm. Roman numeral. It's very classy. But yeah, (laughs) if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, uh, I am at Danica XIX. I'm also on Twitch. Uh, Lately, I've been doing... uh, DVD watch-alongs on Sundays where I've been watching movies with people live. Uh, we've been doing a lot of 1999 bangers. That's been super fun. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I also I have a, a new WandaVision Occult Connections video out on YouTube uh, right now. Uh, my next video is going to be about Alan Moore's book, 1,200-page novel, Jerusalem. Wow. Uh, it's the book report that nobody asked for, and <laughs> it's, it's coming in a few months. Uh, and also, for all of you Dune fans out there, I do have a lot of Dune-related merch in my store. Uh, mm-hmm. It's danicaxix.bigcartel.com. So I've got 
Uh, Spice Melange CBD lip balm. I've got <laughs> yeah. uh, Mentat Juice of Safu lip balm. I've got uh, all sorts of, I have like Chome. Incredible. Uh, Chome sticky notebooks. Uh, I'm actually using one right now. I've got Space and Guild highlighters. Ah, uh, I've I love got, it. I've, yeah, I've got... I've also I've also gotten uh, I love Dune so much I've gotten naked for Dune so I did some nude Alia <laughs> Abomination Alia uh, photos so I got some eight by tens of those and some other stuff too so um, yeah I've got a lot of cool stuff uh, Dune related merch uh, in my in my shop so if you're interested in getting a Bene Gesserit notebook I got you fam <laughs> uh, and yeah and I'm excited for God Emperor. Uh, later on this year, got Emperor Dune Club. Um, oh, and another th- another Dune related thing. Yeah, uh, I created uh, an EP, an album with my friend Akira the Dawn, and uh, we did Dune Wave One. So that's available. Whoa. Where it's four songs, and they're all like quotes from Dune, and with music behind them, and they're very very catchy. And I am, you know, speaking the the words. And then uh, hopefully later this year we'll have Dune Wave too. So and uh, hopefully hopefully we can make that into like an album or something. Put it get it get it pressed on some vinyl. We'll see. Amazing. Oh, yeah. We'll see what happens. Amazing. But uh, but yeah, look forward to uh, God Emperor Dune Club coming oh. in August this summer. That's awesome. That's awesome. And all of that info will be in the show notes. So all of those links will be there. Check out that Dune store, so that merch store, because I was tempted to buy every, one of at yeah. least one of everything, maybe a couple of those lip balms. Uh, it's, it's really incredible. The, the merch you have is so cool. And one last thing as we wrap up here, Danica, where should the HBO exec contact you? Like, is there a... <laughs> yeah, they, they can contact me. Only HBO execs. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic. So help spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the golden path.